143 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, we are obviously not with each other tonight. Where are we tonight? Yes, I'm uh, currently keeping the dream alive by uh, self-quarantining when I'm not at work. <laughs> yes, we are We are social distancing. So for a distance of about 50 miles, we are social distancing. So there's little chance of us giving each other the virus. Um, exactly. Yeah. Which I like to think that my life hasn't changed that much as I was... Uh, Proudly promoting to the company Facebook page, a private group page, that pretty much all this social isolation and social distance, and it's pretty much my life anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I did mention that as well. You know, people said you got to social distance. I'm going, I've been doing that since about, you know, I don't know, 2001, you know, give or take, yeah. you know, right about then. Yeah. Um, so, the idea of staying at home watching movies and not talking to anyone is, is not uncommon for myself. I can go a couple of days without having to chat to people. I'm quite comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm quite comfortable with it. I mean, there is certain elements of life. We'll probably have to touch on it now. How are you dealing with the quarantine? Yeah, absolutely fine. Like I said, I still get the pleasure of going into work. So, you know, I still get that uh, human interaction every now and again when I want it. But, um, yeah, how about yourself? How are you coping? I know you're now working from home, is what? that correct? Working from home, it's it's difficult. It's it's, well, it's not difficult. It's interesting. It's it's weird having that that divide in your life. You know, the work home yes. life. There's usually a barrier in between the two of them that's now been eroded. Um, so when I wake up in my home, I'm waking up in my work essentially. Uh, so that's it's it's quite an odd dynamic. Um, I won't lie, my job is pretty boring. Um, it's a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of numbers. So when you take that away from, you, you used to have the job and there's no like, sort of office banter um, mm. it, it can make days and that a little bit long you know and it's, it's sort of it, the job itself becomes a lot more boring if you don't have any sort of distractions um, that you're used to at work you know when all you really got to do is work yeah you yeah. know what I mean um, but other than that man hope, coping well you know doing whatever the government's telling us to do um, you know going shopping when we need to go shopping taking our hour long pre-mandated walk you know um, doing that and avoiding older members of the family and people who are pregnant in the family and things like that so we're, we're doing all that stuff so we're doing what we should be doing and just yeah. obviously like yourself we're missing things we're missing going to the cinema missing going to gigs not seeing live music for a wee while missing going to missing going to see the football and things like that the hockey you know but we're we're, we're getting through we know, it's, we know it's this can't last forever but it's still pretty frustrating right now yeah, exactly. Well, like you said, it can't last forever. So, uh, I've almost put my foot in it with my manager when he was all like, you know, make sure you're, make sure you're looking after yourself. Get out there, do a bit of exercise, you know. And I was just like, I don't do any exercise, even in the best of days. That's not <laughs> like, true. That's not true. You climb mountains and stuff, so that's exercise. Yeah, I know, but that's like once in a blue moon when the weather's actually on my side. Yeah, you know? enough. it's enough. like. It's just like it was just funny because they were making such a big like deal about like looking after ourselves and mental health and all that, and yeah. I'm like, sorry, pile up and in the trenches before you just. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of mental health, I think this is this is good for me and you to do. I think to try and bring we we've done this every week for a long time now, so it's nice to to do it again, and it sort of adds a bit of normality to life, and it's a nice way to not think about all things Corona, really. Oh, absolutely. Unless it's the beer. Uh, yeah, Which, it's, uh, it's been uh, certainly it's been a long and interesting week, but yeah, I'm glad it's Friday and I get a couple of days off, so it's all good. It's all good. 
Um, are you drinking anything tonight? Uh, sadly not. I'm on the soft just tonight, just because I got in a bit late. I'm just gonna be asked cracking. In fact, I well, I couldn't I, I couldn't be asked going to the supermarket just to stand in a queue just for like maybe a crate a beer. So. Um, on a Pepsi match tonight. Very what good. About yourself? Uh, I'm, I've got some beer in the fridge, so I'm on a Brewdog Lost Lager. Um, it's a very nice beer. I had a wee thing for it when I was down south recently. I did, hadn't actually drunk that much of it, but I'm now on that now. I do quite like it. A nice, it's 4.7. Nice wee pilsner. Lovely drink. A nice, a nice Friday night when you're sitting at home watching TV. Can I drink? When you're at your home, stroke, at your office, having a beer. Yes. Precisely. You're, it's ideal you're for essentially that. drinking at your job. I'm, drink, I'm, I'm literally at my desk right now as I record this, so I'm drinking at my work right now, which I'm, I've always dreamed, oh. of, always dreamed of doing. I <laughs> mean, it, it's almost like a picture opportunity right there, <laughs> saying you're drinking on the job. I mean, The problem is, if I took the picture and put it up somewhere, I couldn't prove at what time it was taken at, and people would assume I was drinking during my work. Uh, yeah, actually... Just very quickly before we actually touch on like uh, movies and that, how does it work with rules? Obviously, like as long as you're doing the work, it's okay. But have they set any guidelines? Like, obviously, they don't want you absolutely hammered. Essentially, I, I, numbers, but could you have a wee buzz on as a oh, I, I get it? Dude, I have absolutely no doubt I could absolutely be drinking if I wanted to drink in my work. Um, there's no reason why they can they can't prevent that. They can't stop me from doing that. To be honest. <laughs> Um, there are, I, I do deal with a lot of financial stuff, so obviously there's a, there's a bit of an issue with that. You know, you can't you know, obviously be taking down numbers and all that kind of stuff and dealing with the, the financial aspects of a lot of things. But no, I think yeah. having a drink at work would be completely valid. Now, and there's nothing they can do to stop me doing it right now. They can't even stop. They can't stop me eating an omelette at my desk if I wanted to, which I pretty much did this afternoon. So, um, yeah, they, they, there's nothing they can stop you doing right now. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Apart from like missing out on the social element, it almost sounds like the perfect job you've got. Oh no, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, the, 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 I'm content with the working at home. Just it's just certain aspects that I'm, I'm missing out on. But other, I mean, there is a lot more upsides to it. The fact that I'm not having to wake up at half five in the morning. Um, you yep. know, the fact that I can I'm saving a shit ton of money on petrol and trains and things like that is also a great delight. Um, when I finish work at four o'clock, I'm literally home at four o'clock, which is also lovely. I can go and do things. You know, or watch things. I don't have to have an hour-long commute back home. So yeah, there's lots of upsides to it. Just, it just, it, I think a lot of people. Too, you don't realize how much you miss the social interaction with people until mm. it's gone. Even someone who myself who is pretty non-interactive with a lot of people, yeah, when, you, yeah. when you take away that minimal interaction you have, it, it, it does. It, it, it's a loss. Uh, yeah, mm. totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but as we always do, what we'll do, we'll, um, we'll give a wee update on all things Camel Laird, our football team oh, that we yes. sponsor. Uh, our man Mike Furlong played for them, we sponsor him. And the sad news is that their season is now over. The uh, FA have dictated that all leagues below a certain point um, have uh-huh. to, uh, basically the season they were involved in has been nullified. It didn't count, essentially. Oh, okay. Well, what? touching on that, uh, a European country, they, i uh, just seen it today, they announced um, whoever was at the top of the league they are now like the champions of. I believe that was Belgium. Uh, Stock- Stockholm as well. Belgium done it as well, but that's because the team were like so far ahead that it wouldn't have mattered uh, anyway. Uh, okay, that's cool. the issues you've got in a couple of countries. You know, Scotland, England, for example, we get teams ahead in the league, but not mathematically uncatchable. Yes. And that's always going to raise a few sort of what ifs, you know. But yeah, so the yeah. team, the league that Camel Laird are in, that's all essentially nullified so not a big deal for Camel Laird they were sitting mid-table so they didn't lose or really gain anything out of it apart from the fact that they don't play the cup final now that they got to which is a bit of a shame 
Um, but there's a couple of teams in that sort of in that sort of level who were like won the league by like massive amounts, but not enough. Or even if, if they did win the league, they don't get promoted because the leagues have been declared null. There's no promotion. There's no relegation. Ah, okay. It's a real shame because there's a team I, can't, I think it's Jersey Bulls who play one of the leagues. They played twenty eight games. They won twenty eight games. They're like a goal oh. difference of like ninety eight. But because the season's been nullified, they don't get promotion because no one comes down. And it seems a real shame that a team can do that and not get bumped up. Yeah, that's quite a shame. Yeah, it's that's, a shame. You'd think they'd maybe look at that. I think you there's know. been a so I think there's been a few legal challenges to it, you know, to try and maybe say teams who get promoted come up, no one goes down, but then you have a, maybe like a few more teams in each division next year, just to try, mm. and then you maybe try and over the next two or three years try and level it off all again, you know, maybe have three mm-hmm. go down rather than two go down for the next couple of years, just to sort of, to get it all back to what it was within a couple of years. But yeah, it's it's a real shame for teams who do miss out on you know sort of something they've probably been working towards for the past like you know couple of years or even longer than that. It's a it's a real shame. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. It's a shame that it's... And I feel like it, uh, it's not just going to be junior football. I can see like a lot of uh, sporting leagues around the world uh, going the same way. Like yeah. If this drags on and on, I think like a lot of them will end up just pretty much either voiding the leagues or announcing whoever's at the top of the time they will be the champions. Yeah, that'll be it. it's a real shame. Um, but when you, when you think like the Champions League are getting postponed, it doesn't really give much hope for teams in sort of the junior levels. Mm. But I was saying, like, I was putting on stuff online last night, last week, sorry. We all had a great time sponsoring the Camel Lairds this year. I think we had a lot of fun, you know, having somebody mm-hmm. to root for. Um, and hopefully next year, if we're looking for sponsorship, we'll be able to get in again. Because I'd really quite enjoy to sponsor them again. I think we really, I think we all had a, a kind of good laugh and a bit of enjoyment. It was something that was pretty silly, you know, to, to pick a random player in the middle of Liverpool to, yeah. to and it was, it was a nice to have a wee connection to it, so I think next Absolutely. year if, if, if they're pushing for it next year, we'll, we'll try and get in there again, I think Yeah, and also next year you can actually plan to go and visit them again That's the gutting thing as well, that we didn't get a chance to go and see them play, but a couple of times we could have went down but just games were postponed or something happened, mm-hmm. we couldn't go down, so it was a real gut, gut, gut punch that we actually got down to see them this year, so I think next year we'll Sponsor a player again. Hopefully, make for a long play again for him. We can sponsor him, um, and bring it down and see him at least uh, at least once next year. That, that'd be good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, so now we move on to movies. So, like you probably everyone realizes, there's no movies out in cinema right now. The cinemas are desolate. But the good thing about it, we live in an age where there is multiple ways of watching movies. Still, there's you know your your Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus launched this week in, in Britain, and much to everyone's happiness. Um, and also, if you look for, for sort of less legal ways to watch films, you can also do that as well. So there is, we live in an age where if if this was ever going to happen, you know, self quarantine, and this is probably the best time in human history for it to happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely! Imagine this happened like ten years ago. Imagine this even happened like oh, f- even seven or eight years ago when there was no Netflix. Yeah, it's you know, like, oh man, oh man. I mean, like, it also shows just how Kelly. Like, how our life, where our lives have went though it's right. like we're so easily distracted now that in order to save the human race all we need to do is just sit inside and watch fucking Netflix yeah 
I mean, that's, that's basically what government in, in the world is asking us to do right now. And some people, unfortunately, are failing at that, which is a real, real like, just sit the fuck at home, man, and watch your TV. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Just sit in the house. Yeah, your granddad had to go and fight and nearly die for the country. You've just got to sit in your ass and watch TV. Just That's all you have to do. All you have to do. Just do it. Um, so, I've, I, I text you some things this week to watch. You text me a couple of things to watch. So, we've got a few things to, to go over, and we'll pick a few at the end that we can go over for next week. So the first one is when I sent you um, start of the week was a documentary. It's on Netflix, and it's called ZZ Top, the little that little old band from Texas. It's yes. uh, directed by Sam Dunn, who directed the. You probably know this guy. He directed the Iron Maiden documentary, Flight Six Six Six. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed yes. that one. He directed the Rush one, and um, Beyond the Lighted Stage was a great documentary on Netflix. You get a chance to watch it, or if you even if you're not a fan of Rush, it's a brilliant documentary to watch. Um, and the plot of this film, as you can imagine, it's a documentary all about ZZ Top, this sort of, a band from Texas, probably best known for the, the signature sort of hand gesture, and also they've got mega beards. Um, yes. And it's just their sort of history from the sort of early 60s through most of the career up into, well, through the early part of the career up into the sort of the big break and their sort of massive success. And then it just sort of it goes a little bit from there, and it sort of covers everything about their lives. You know, their so sort of how they started, how they met, how they moved on, and, and how they've got their sound together, and how they how how they sort of differentiate themselves from different bands, and then ultimately how their success was sort of unexpected because of what they sounded they used to do it, um, and just sort of generally, it's, it's about essentially I would say it's a, about a hardworking band who did good essentially. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a, a really a solid band who worked their ass off and, and got something. Um, in the film, you've got ZZ Top, who, if you don't know, are Billy Gibbons Jr., Dusty Hill, uh, Frank Beard as well. That's the he's a drummer, um, and also you get some a wee couple of cameos, like sort of vox pops from people such as Joss Home uh, from Queens of Stone Age. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton pops up in it as well, and Steve Miller, um, he he pops up in it as well. So there's a, and there's a few always other people from like the, the history of the band, you know, old managers and old fans and. People who like tour with the band and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's lots of talking heads talking about it and lots of vintage, like sort of old footage of the band as well. Um, number one, are you a ZZ Top fan? Are you aware of who ZZ Top are? I do know of ZZ Top. I haven't listened to a lot of them. I'm not gonna lie. Right. Uh, generally, anything that I hear from them, I generally can enjoy it. I will probably never skip a song from yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, would I go out of my way to buy like an album or find them on Spotify? Probably not. Yeah. But if they appeal in a playlist, I'll happily let it run. They've done like them. Like Lagrange is probably one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. I think it's absolutely a phenomenal song. Mm. Um, they're, they're absolutely. One of the first big hits. I think that's an amazing song. Um, I am a bit of a ZZ Top fan. Not a huge fan, but my dad's a massive ZZ Top fan. He loves ZZ Top. Um, nice. So he's always plays ZZ Top in the house. So I, I, I kind of knew a lot of this. I didn't know a lot of the history of the band but I knew a lot of the songs um, yeah. so that was nice um, what do you think of the documentary? I actually quite liked it yeah. um, I think like it doesn't like portray them in any sort of light that they're not they're just a simple down to earth group of guys who just happen to make music that was quite popular Yeah. and is for most part still quite popular and have a good crowd and yeah you know, it's like you said, it's just like a hard-working band, and like, you know, I, I liked it, I thought it was a good wee documentary, you know, and it doesn't take up a lot of your time either, it's like a solid 90 minutes, yeah. and that's it, you know? I think it's one of those ones, if you're a fan of the band, you probably might, you probably enjoy it for the music, and you enjoy seeing the people you like, and, and yeah. that kind of stuff, 
but it's maybe not a one for the fans because fans probably know all these stories already. But yes, it's maybe, maybe more, maybe one for yourself who kind of knows who ZZ Top are, doesn't really know that much about them. But you watching, you go, you know what? I've got a newfound respect for who ZZ Top are. Oh yeah, what um, you had kind of hinted at there uh, to watch out for a bit in the documentary about their first kind of like major tour. Ah, yeah. And when that moment popped up, I was just like. Wow, yeah. that's, <laughs> fans are tame nowadays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was generally like, holy shit, this band are like absolutely mental to do that. And they don't really seem like the kind of guys who would do that. You know, they, seem, they do, don't seem like, they don't have that Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Elton John sort of craziness, Led Zeppelin mental stuff. They, seem, they do seem pretty sort of regular guys, mm. you know, but they yeah. just have this idea of like bringing Texas to the people. <laughs> and they do it in the bit, most Texan way possible. It's just, it's just like the most random collection of animals to be on stage yeah, with as well. Right. The fact that it's, it's like there's a buzzard sitting behind the drummer for the whole set list, and he's like, <laughs> just. I did like the fact how he hinted at the fact that um, he needs to, uh, like when he was maybe like slowing down with the drumming, and, and like the bump would start like, eyeing him up like he was a real <laughs> thing and he was dead, then he'd have to quickly drum again. <laughs> like, the drummer's his timekeeper essentially, making sure it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Um, I would say, like, it, it didn't really touch too much on the darker areas of the band. I think there are some sort of dark parts to the band's history. Um, yeah. They do sort of meant they do sort of touch a little bit on the drummer Frank Beard. He had like sort of a few kind of mental problems and like, alcoholism and drug addiction. Drug, yeah, yeah. I think he said at one point I got was it he got your first big check like seventy grand and he goes what did you do with the check and he went I, I basically spent it all on drugs. That was pretty much all, all he did. Um, so it, it kind of touches on that and a little bit about how they, they always say that the band who've been together like forever they've been together for, like fifty years, but there's an estrangement at one point when like. He goes into rehab, and the other two guys sort of go go around the world. Basically, one of the guys said he's basically started travelling through Europe and Middle East and things like that. And that's how some of their sound developed and changed. Because at one point they're obviously they're, they're essentially just a blues band. It's kind of like a rocky blues band that you've heard coming out of Texas and that kind of Midwest sound a lot. And then all of a sudden, this one of the guys starts getting really heavily involved in punk. Like he starts hearing the, like sort of British punk wave coming through. So they try and yeah. put these sort of experimental bits into their music as well and it'd been, it'd been interesting to maybe explore them a little bit more but I do think that what they're trying to do is make this documentary as appealing to the masses as yes. much, rather than appealing to like try and like sort of open up new ground for the for the fan um, the fans maybe as I said probably know a lot of this stuff already uh, it's, yeah it's definitely ZZ Top life that's mm. for sure it's, um, like you said I think like a lot of the hardcore fans they already know about all of this kind of stuff but certainly it's, it certainly kind of intrigues you enough to want to maybe off your own back uh, dive more into their history and kind of yeah. maybe find out things that have maybe happened in between yeah. all the kind of major events you know because yeah. I didn't really know about the whole thing they were one of the first bands to sort of really embrace MTV yeah, and how I, weird is that? I but it was a bit, they did it brilliantly. Yeah, you know, and, and opened themselves up to this completely new audience by getting involved with what MTV were doing. So that been nice to explore that a little bit more, as to you know, because they basically just say they, they saw MTV on TV, they thought this is really, this is a really cool thing, let's do this. It'd been nice to see sort of a little bit more like how did, you know because how did ZZ Top go on MTV? Can you imagine MTV was not pushing for bands like ZZ Top to go because at that point they were sort of definitely not a big band or sort of not one of these bands that, people, that maybe like somebody your dad would like rather than you would like essentially you know so when MTV was always trying to be kind of cool and modern and, and young yeah 
Yeah, so it'd been interesting to know how they got but I, I, I didn't know about the band, so it was really interesting to see that kind of stuff going on. I, I know, that was kind of like a weird revelation how <coughs> uh, MTV essentially gave them, like, MTV plus the, the director guy for the videos ended up, like, the two combinations gave them, like, a real second wind yeah. in their career. Because that, that whole thing of, like, the visual of them with the beards and everything and doing the, like, everyone knows the sort of the hand gesture they do. You know, that kind of, that kind of weird sort of, like, point they do. Yeah. yeah that yeah. that sort of took them from, like, being a band who, like, sort of, everyone's sort of heard of to a band people would instantly, you know, if you say ZZ Top, you can instantly picture in your mind who ZZ Top are. You know, and I think most people can do that, and that's the thing. There's not a lot of bands you can actually say a band. Just think of a band, and you can an, an instant image comes to your mind. You know, and uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, also, I do find it funny how the drummer's second name is Beard, and he's the only guy that doesn't have a beard. It's a very good, it's a very good quiz question, isn't it? Like, who's what member of ZZ Top does not have a beard? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, like I said, I, I I'm a fan of ZZ Top. I enjoy their music um, from you know because of connection like you know family listen to it a lot so I, I enjoyed the documentary it's nice to some hear some songs that I hadn't heard for a lot of while and just seeing like a band like I said I love a working band I love a, work, a band who try hard and, and maybe haven't had a success totally given to them um, yeah. and I like the fact that their bands are still going now and they, they said like we had a one big massive success in the 80s and we don't mind that we had that one success we'll be happy with that and we'll continue doing what we do but that big success allows us to do other things but we're not going to stop, but, but we don't shy away from that success we had, and I thought I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's probably one I'll re- I've already recommended it to other folk who I felt of maybe like, skipped to buy it because it doesn't seem to get a big push. No, it's I not. Didn't, I actually had to like search for it because I didn't see it any part on the main page of Netflix yeah. at all. Well, I'd recommend for yourself the same guy directed a film called Rush. Beyond the Lighted mm. Stage, um, I would look out for that one too because it's an amazing documentary about a genuinely amazing band. Nice. Okay. Nice. Um, out of ten, yeah, I'll definitely check out. Out of ten, I'll give it a solid eight. I give it a seven, a nice solid seven. I thought it was a, a good, yeah. well done. Like I said, ninety minutes. You can, it's a, it's a cracking ninety minute watch. And on to this, so another Netflix release. We'll move on to next one that is sweeping the nation or the world, in fact. And that is a, a, a limited series called Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem and Madness. Uh, directed by Eric Good and Rebecca Chaiklin. This is a, a documentary series. It's got, I think, 10 episodes, remember rightly? Yeah, 10. Mm. 10 episodes. They're all about 45 minutes each. Um, and then it, it tells a story of, essentially, was it seven episodes? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, seven, episodes. seven episodes, sorry. Um, and what it tells a story of is, essentially... People in America, particularly deep South America, who are really into having big cats, tigers specifically, and yeah. leopards and jaguars, but mainly tigers, and a sort of insane like rivalry that developed between them and, at first it's with the animal rights protester, one Pacific animal rights protester who was trying to sort of shut them down and take them over in some way, and then also oddly it becomes a, a rival between sort of different factions of the tiger loving community, the tiger like sort of sort of tiger keeping community, you know, it wasn't just enough that you liked tigers, you had to sort of be, you had to one up everybody on it. So you get these guys who are really into keeping big cats, all trying to vie for, like for us, for us sort of like for supremacy of, to be the tiger king essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
The main protagonist in it is um, a guy called Joe Exotic, who is something that has seemed to be believed, and his sort of nemesis in it, for the most part of the show, is a woman called Carol Baskin, and you can watch the documentary, you'll see the, the stories played out in full. Um, you recommended this one to me, you, you pushed me on this one, you were the one who, who, who um, indicated I should watch it. What do you think of it? What do you like about it? I think, well, first and foremost, uh, today there was devastating news that uh, Joe Exotic, as he he is in prison at the moment, he has actually contracted uh, COVID-19. So so there is a conspiracy going out there that Carol Basket gave him COVID. (laughs) (laughs) So, So... Back onto the actual show. I actually quite enjoyed it. It's also deeply, deeply heartbreaking to learn the fact that there's more uh, tigers and yeah, there's more tigers and lions and American captivity, yeah, than there is in the wild. In in the wild, yeah, and that is deeply concerning. Yeah, you know, yeah, I. I don't think anybody is squeaky clean in this documentary. No, no one comes out of this well, I don't think. No, uh, even even the, wherever Carol lives, the local police department have even reopened the case again for her dead uh, hus- uh, first husband right. because it's a bit of an embarrassment now because there's so many people watching yep, this yep, totally, and yeah. they haven't ever managed to prove what happened to him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't show it in a good light at no. all. I feel pretty much there's a lot of shadiness going on, and I think like this won't really be the end of it. I think we'll keep on hearing little snippets of these people for a long time to come. Yeah. See, this is one of the problems I had. This is a problem I had with it because everyone seems to be going mad about this show, and everyone seems to be yeah. loving this show. I did not get it at all. Yeah. Because you're talking later about saying like um, there's still a lot to come out, there's still a lot of blah blah, and there's still a lot to like sort of be investigated stuff like that, and oh. that to me was the biggest part of this biggest problem with this show was yeah, there's seven episodes which for the story they've got I reckon that's at least three too many, mm-hmm. and also there's so many strands they don't ever finish. I I think that's because there's that many strands in the story that they they have no. It felt a very unsatisfying, like sort of narrative and conclusion. Like, like the whole stuff with her husband, for example, that the fact that she might have killed her husband, she might have dumped the body uh, in the tiger cages for him to eat. That is never really explored beyond one episode, other than the fact that they keep accusing her of it, but don't actually bring any evidence to the floor. And it's like I feel like if you're going to bring that up, you have to sort of expand on it a little bit. Exactly. It's. I feel. I still think maybe like the I feel this has been a rushed documentary. I feel like this should have been maybe done in a couple of years time from now. Yes. And maybe like get a full story yeah. but then maybe a lot of the cat like questions, shall we say, in it. Maybe they wouldn't have ever came to light if this hadn't came out and so many people were watching it. And also it happened to just be good timing by Netflix to have this out just as everyone was going into lockdown. Oh, I think that's what it is. It's, it, that's why people talk about it. It's not because it's particularly great. I think it's pretty average compared to some of the stuff Netflix has put out in the past. Yeah, yeah. But it hit, it, I, it, it hit the absolute perfect sweet spot of everyone having to go home from work and not and all that all they've got to watch is Netflix, and then you get this to and watch. I, 
I think it hits that perfect chord as well, where people, there is a large group of people who enjoy just absolute car crash television, and this ticks every single box. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone in it is a fucking character. Um, oh, yeah. Everyone in it is memorable in some way. You know, Joe Exotic yeah. is probably the most memorable person in it. But he's by no yeah. means alone. I mean, there's, there's that guy who's sitting always wearing the clutch t-shirt, the big kind of hairy bearded guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, he, he generally feels quite, quite a sweet guy. I think he's got a dark past for the sound of it. But I'm like, oh, dude, something I, I feel for you because I feel like you've done nothing wrong right now. <laughs> um, But yeah, everyone, everyone in the show is completely memorable. So you, you start sort of, I wouldn't say you start rooting for them, but they, they make an impact. But it's like having a great actor in a film with no story. That's what I feel like to me. It's great characters in a very minuscule story which didn't, with no sort of, it, it didn't play out long enough to actually be a proper story and a proper, like, sort of documentary, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel, yeah, I don't know, it's, I think, I can see another documentary coming down oh, the line. without question, without question. This is, yeah. this is, Netflix does these documentaries for the podcast generation, but they just want these sort of like this kind of thing. It's, it's built for people who love podcasts. You know, it's that mm. it's got that episodic nature to it, the way they put it together. And there probably is more of a story there, but if there's going to be another story there, I want you to finish the story. Yeah, absolutely. I just What I didn't like it was uh, the fact that the thing that maybe... Stop Carol getting painted in such a bad light was the simple fact that um, she had rescue in her title. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she called her part with Big Cat Rescue. Yep. And I think a lot of people were gullible enough to believe that um, that that's actually some sort of like sanctuary when it's really not. It's just as bad as. Oh no, it is totally, and that, I think that's a point. It's some like the, the, it's the marketing of certain elements that will make it seem better to people you know and it's you know what's the difference between a zoo and a nature preserve really you know it's really the difference between a zoo and a conservation area you know it seems like yeah. still, still animals in cages at the end of the result isn't it um, and like I said like you said no one in this thing comes out particularly well um, yeah. and I think I can totally see why it gripped people's attention it came out at just, just the right time just as you know everyone's having to stay home it's got very memorable characters everyone is a bit fucking crazy the, the guy's doing absolutely nuts stuff he's like sort of like a a hillbilly Steve Irwin in some ways, you know, like, you know, um, you know, yeah, so it's like, you know, so he is totally batshit crazy and you, and, you, and you will remember this guy. It's just the fact that I was watching this and going, I don't really care what's going on. I just want to know, is it, I was basically waiting for the, for seven episodes for the story to kick in properly. Yeah. And it never kicks in properly for me. And that's that, no. that's, my, that's my big disappointment with it. Uh, it's a real shame. Like I said, I, I don't think this will be the end of it. No, I true. Have a big update for this. That's true. I think you enjoyed it more than I did. I think you got more from it than I, than I did. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was a fan of uh, like your Geordie shows and your Jersey shows for yeah. a long time. So I'm like the absolute quintessential car crash television you do, like, yeah. enthusiast. Yeah. A fair point. So, like I said, and you are absolutely right. It's pitched at that. It's almost like people who like documentaries will go, "Well, oh, I'm not going to watch, you know, reality TV." Yeah. But then people who, always, who like reality will go, oh, "I'm not going to watch documentaries." It's, it's you know, there's a sort of weird disconnect. This does seem to find that sort of sweet spot between the two. 
you know. absolutely. I did get a lot of like, um, I did get the same kind of sweaty palm feeling that I get uh, when I was watching a uh, free solo. Yeah. Any time they would go into a cage and they would start like roughing up a tiger. Oh fuck yeah! I was always sitting there going, "Oh my god, oh my god, this because is you it, know, this is it." Can you know for a fact the guys who are filming that would not have cut away if the thing starts more them. Exactly. They 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 filmed it to the very end. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so. Like I said, it's, a, it's seven episodes. It's probably, like I said, I think it's at least three episodes too long. But if you're looking, if you're in this desperate age where you've got nothing to watch and you want to try and find something to kill, you know, four or five hours, it's not yeah. the worst thing you can put on. I'm sure you'll be entertained by it. I gave it six out of ten. Yeah, I'd maybe say seven. Pretty much for the same kind of reasons. It's just, there doesn't seem to be any sort of conclusion yeah. in it all. You know, I think, like, all of them need to be properly investigated, like, for shady businesses, cultish kind of things around the parks. Like, why is that guy got fucking three wives? <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. This thing got me. At one point, they, they throw him under the bus by saying, "Oh, by the way, you know he's got three wives," and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going, "Right, that has nothing to do with the fact he's keeping tigers." <laughs> exactly. And how did these women like are happy with this? Well, they, they all they all seem pretty content, and I'm going that. That has nothing to do with the story. All and you're trying to say, look, I mean, he's got three wives. He must be a fucking psychopath. I'm going. He's a bit odd, a bit different, but it's like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw a guy under the bus for that, mm. you know. And that has nothing to do with the fact that he likes to keep, ta- you know, the guy who, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Exotic is is gay and he's got like sort of two very distinctly weird tastes in men. Again, yeah. don't really care. That's that. That's a sort of that's a complete side story that has nothing to do with the actual main events of the, of the film of the of the documentary. And I feel like they're putting it in at some point to try and prove how, you know, as as I say, like these guys must be the, the the bad guys, or these guys must be wrong because look, he's got three wives. I'm going. That doesn't prove that he's a bad guy. He's just somehow convinced three women that it's okay to have another two wives. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's impressive. You know, it's 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 crazy, but. It's, it's, that didn't. That felt like that to me. Felt like the whole like reality car crash TV element of it is like trying to like just sort of throw in yeah. more spice to something that doesn't need it. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, I think before, yeah. you can get something. It's for what it is. It is like you said, car crash entertainment. It will kill four or five hours. You can go with it for that time. Exactly. 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 Perfect for these quarantine days yes. that we have. An ideal quarantine watch. Um, yeah. What I'm going to watch, talk about now is what a film that came out in the cinema um, just at the turn of the year um, that I managed to find and talk about finally. Uh, it's a film called Queen and Slim. Uh, uh-huh. You've not seen this one in full, I don't think, so you can probably pitch in me a few different things. Um, directed by Melina M- M- Maskowskis, who... I'm so glad you got to pronounce that. Yes. Um, she hasn't really done much. In, I think this might be a feature film debut, but she's done a shit ton of like, music videos. She's done like... She basically made all Beyonce's stuff and Rihanna's stuff and Katy Perry and Madonna. So she's got a visual style. And if you've ever seen Beyonce videos, those are not small events when you watch them. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty epic. Um, so the plot of this film is basically an African-American couple on a first date. I think it's a Tinder date by the sound of it at the start of it. Um, when they're driving home, they get pulled over by the cops. And one thing leads to another and the, the guy accidentally shoots the cop. But rather than staying on the scene, they basically flee the scene and become a sort of Bonnie and Clyde, try to race through the the American deep south again, 
as we've talked about quite a lot recently, um, to try and escape the police and try and get to an airfield so they can get but get to Cuba um, to try and escape everybody, you know, getting put in jail essentially. Um, on the way to meet a variety of people who try to help them and hinder them uh, as they go. Uh, in the film, you get Daniel Kaluuya uh, playing the main main guy. He is in Black Panther. If you know that, if you if you've seen Black Panther, he plays sort of the, the Black Panther sort of left hand man. Uh, you get Jodie Turner Smith, who I haven't seen in much. I think she's not had really much of a exposure. She's sort of been a lot of films. She's just sort of like in roles that not even got a name. You know, it's like assistant number two or something. This is definitely her breakout film. Okay, cool. um, the only thing I knew about her, I only found out recently, was that she is married to Joshua Jackson, Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so there you go. So Pacey's punching above his weight. Uh, and you've also got a guy called Bokeem Woodbine who turns up um, in a really interesting role and also Chloe Savigny turns up as well and also does Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ah, nice Yeah, um, adding to his Back to the Future repertoire of films So <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed this film I thought it, it from the moment you start watching it the two characters are so engaging they, uh-huh. they do seem kind of from different worlds and sort of the only connection they seem kind of have at the beginning is the fact that they're both African-American. That seems to be the only sort of defining thing about the two of them. You know, he seemed a little bit too, like, almost street hip a little bit. Or at least trying to be that. And only maybe live up to a little bit of the the presumption, you know, people, people presume that would be. And then you've got her, who's a lawyer, and you think she's a bit more straight-laced. As it develops, it's actually sort of maybe... It flips itself a little bit. She's more the sort of the dark horse in the between the two of them. But at the beginning, it's, it's it doesn't have much connection. And then the idea of them thrown together, the bit as one moment, um, that is sort of life defining. Did you did you watch the start of the film? No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Well, I only watched the maybe like the first five minutes or something. So you saw about the about the sitting there dining and they're talking. You know, you can get this. You know, it's, it's a real nice back and forth between the two of them that you like you, yeah. you get that they people know that they don't really know each other but they do a really good job of that first date thing of like try to pretend that they're into it maybe not into it it's, it's, it's it works for me the first date i can see where the you, know, you can you recognize it for what it for, for what it is yes and again it's pulling no punches when it deals with things such as race because that's the main point of this film is that they get pulled over by a cop and Unfortunately, we all know what happens in America when people of African American descent get pulled over by a cop. There seems to always be that danger right now mm. that it escalates a lot quicker than it would be than if it was me and you in the car. Yes. Um, and it's the reaction you see to the they have to the getting pulled over. Whereas I think if me and you get pulled over, we just be like, it would be like, all right, okay, we'll, this will be fine. I'll be, we'll, we'll get a ticket and we'll move on. Yeah. But when they get pulled over, they've got to constantly tell the cop what they're doing. You know, and, and, and they know that they're, they're, they're instantly on edge because they know how this is spun out in so many different situations. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is quite a real fear, and it's it's a sad state of affairs. Oh, yeah. Even in two thousand and twenty, we're still at that stage where people are living like that. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit. See, and get have you seen Get Out? No, I haven't. No. Well, there's a bit in Get Out when a police car turns up. And the reaction of between the difference between the, how the white characters react to the, the, the police car pulling up and how the black characters react to the police car pulling up is so like such a noticeable difference. Wow! And it really hits home as to what the what the blue flashing lights mean to different sort of 
people. Yeah. You know, want people, we recognise it as something of safety and something of, like, everyone will be all right now, the police are here, it'll be sorted out. The African-American population, black population, see it as something completely different. You know, they don't have that same security for obvious reasons. Um, the film itself, it, it, it's, this, it's really... It, you should try and watch it. It's, it's so tense and so gripping throughout because you're essentially seeing this couple become a couple, but on the run. You know, so the, the, essentially their second date is them trying to get escape the, the police. You know, so so it's a second date under extreme circumstances. And as the film progresses, you, you get to see stuff about their life and you know and why they are the way they are and and how they got to be how they are. And it also touches on the idea of like you know this the idea of imagery. You know, and how a single moment can be defining and can be defining to others that has no relation to the actual moment itself. Um, you know, when something's a picture, you might think it's a picture of, of one thing, but then it gets totally taken and, and changed into something else. You know, by, by how the public perceive it. And it's just, it, yeah. what they do is it's really interesting what they're doing and how the director plays it out over the course of the film. Um, and I really enjoyed that part of it. I thought both leads, um, Daniel Kaluuya and Joey Turner-Smith, were excellent in it. They played they played their roles absolutely perfectly, um, and so believable as well, and so sad as well. You know, because they, they seem like two very broken people, and this is just fundamentally broken them further. And you, yeah, and it's a real shame, uh, absolute shame. And all that, and there's a sense throughout the whole film of. You, you actually get invested in their love story, and there's a, there's a genuine love story in there as well. But you know the way this film can turn out that they are doomed. Like you, you can't see any way that they're not <coughs> going to end badly, <coughs> and that's the that's real like... horrendous <coughs> element of it. You know, it's it's not like it's telegraphed, but you you, you you sense it throughout the film. Yeah, uh, that's horrible. But it's such it's such a well done film. Yes. Um, well, hopefully this means a bright future for the director. Oh, hopefully, um, because she deserves to get more work because this is a, it's a fantastically well done movie and I really I thought it was excellent, an excellent film. Nice, nice. Um, I'll, I'll need to try and find that again. It's, yeah. Um, as I said, unfortunately, the thing that I was using to watch it unfortunately decided to break itself when I went to sit down and watch it again. Um, but no, it's, I'll, try and, I'll try and get it watched. Yeah, definitely. If you're looking for something to watch in these, you know, it says these quarantine days, you can do far worse than um, than watching this. So I'll look for nice. it. I would give it eight out of ten. Oh, nice. Uh, and finally, the last one I've got is one that you watched. I have not seen, which is called Super Size Me Two. Yes, this is uh, this was to replace Queen and Slim because it wasn't working. So, this so was a, a I seen this on Amazon and thought, I'll give it a bundle. I will give it so a go I as well at some point. So this is I'm assuming it's directed by Morgan Spurlock again, yes? Same guy? Yes it does. Yeah, What's yeah. like so in the first Super Size Me it was made about it must be like, must be at least fifteen years ago. Yeah? Fifteen, maybe yeah, twenty. Uh, twelve I think he 12. says in the movie. So Super Size Me, the idea was that he lived on McDonald's for was it three months? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's all he had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he, every, and, he, and the only stipulation was that when he went up to the order something, and they asked, "Do you want it supersized?" He had to say yes, correct? Correct. And from that, and it showed, and he basically tried to prove what it did to the human body by only eating McDonald's food constantly. <laughs> okay. And um, what's the new one? What's, what tack does the new one take? What, what's the what's the hook in this in the second one? Okay, so the general. 
story of the second movie is simply that obviously it can't go down the same route again. Yeah. Right? It's just no point because the, the fast food industry has tried to clean up its act yeah. a little bit since the movie did come out. Um, and they've also, the kind of culture has changed and everyone wants to get a healthier fast food. There was also so a thing with his, there was also a thing that his documentary was actually about pseudoscience. Apparently no one's able to replicate, because in the film it does horrible things to his body, no one's able to replicate those conditions or replicate yeah. those results. So normally if you, if you prove something, you'd have to do it again and again and again with, under different circumstances to make sure it is correct and not just an anomaly that happened with you and only you. Yes. No one else is able to, has been able to do it again and have the same results. That's good. Well, I didn't know that. That's, so, that's mental. Yeah, so it might be that, not saying he cheated the results, but there might have been more at play rather than just the food. Ah, okay. Right, okay. So. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Maybe so, but you're absolutely right. But you're absolutely right as well. The fast food industry has changed. It's sort of you know you can get salads at McDonald's and there's other shit going on. So yeah, sorry, continue. Uh, so in this one, he decides that he's going to open up his own um, uh, fast food restaurant, right. and it's all based around like a, a chicken burger. Okay. So, and his whole idea is being the only fast food restaurant that does chicken but it also like it raises the chickens right, okay. and then sends them and then sends them off to get killed and then ultimately brings them back to be in the restaurant so that's what it's all about and then sort of a self-sustaining well, restaurant essentially sort of like it's a closed system they, they raise the chickens they serve the chickens they then have more chickens so they're not like like so it's all like sort of free range in it essentially it's sort of it's more economical yes. in some way yeah yeah and he's, he's essentially also poking poking holes at the uh, chicken like the chicken manufacturing industry in America like I need to declare that it is set in America again yeah. uh, that because they've got like a crazy industrial way of, Aye, like, like battery chickens yeah yeah so so most of the film is pretty much centered round about him trying to get a hold of chickens, like eggs, to re- to make chickens. Right. Um, and then it's only maybe like the last like maybe forty minutes that you actually get to see him like, cat working on his little restaurant that he ends up ultimately opening. Right. Um, but it's just it's just horrible about the whole cat, the way how the the cat chicken and industry works there for the farmers anyway it's mm. like it's almost like a competition between all the chicken farmers and then like if like the cat big chicken company that runs them all if they suddenly don't like you they'll suddenly just start like blacklisting you Aye. and then like it'll affect your wage even if you're pumping out like really good chickens and all that and, and I think it's, it's, that's the thing if somebody says I'm not going to do the way you want to do it I'm going to, do, I'm going to raise these chickens humanely they go right fine won't buy from you if they don't yeah. buy from him, then he ends up going out of business, and then what good does that do? Yeah. Does that get the farmer's family? So he, the farmers are sort of essentially like forced into doing the things the way that the, the chicken company wants it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's all about kind of like, like forcing the farmer's hand to upgrade the farm. Yeah. And to like like to have more heaters, more sheds, even though it would potentially financially wreck them. Yeah. But this is what the bigger company wants, so the bigger company get it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it's actually quite sad, actually, like that part of it, because you see, he talks to like a, a lot of farmers, eh, like chicken farmers, and like you see them actually like breaking up at the fact that like, you know, they do stress a lot about like finances and the fact that they are on the brink of absolute like financial ruin. Aye, I think and as well, as like, a lot of those farmers, like they come across as like they're being cruel to animals. They're not in it yeah. to be cruel to animals. They, they they were quite happy raising their animals, like you know, be it be it pigs, cows, or sheep, or chickens yeah. for that matter, in humane ways. You know, they were happy to like you know have them getting called every single day and and just and you know in in this sort of this factory procession of meat. You know, they, they were happy having a livestock that would be raised for a few years, then they slaughter that you know those ten, and then it would just be a bit of a cycle that would be sustainable and and you know it wouldn't be what it is now but like you said they're forced into doing it this other way that's just that is ultimately insanely cruel to the animal yeah. and to the farmers and the people who have got to deal with it Cause i remember seeing one about you know talking to the people who have to go and kill the cows and they go like we have to kill like 500 cows a day you know it's like and that's like we're killing 500 animals a day that's that has an effect on your mental well-being yeah you know absolutely um so yeah, for the I'd I'd say like this movie is a bit more it kind of branches away from more just centered around him. Right. It's more about the bigger picture this time. Right. Um, it's even I'd say it's even got a little bit of a hint of uh, Michael Moore in there, yeah, just yeah, the way yeah. it's kind of story, like the way the story is told. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, and then what else happens in it? Yeah, and then he ends up like buying this uh, old uh, Wendy's restaurant in mm-hmm. this. I can't remember the city, but it's this like city that is like a testing ground for like all the fast food chains. Right, okay. So like, there's this one street that literally has like every fast food chain on it. So he plops his there, opens it up, covers the walls and the little menu cards and all that on the tables with like cat, like. The cat industry buzzwords, um, like how even though everybody wants like deep fried chicken, the industry doesn't call it deep fried; they call it crispy chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously crispy sounds healthier than deep fried, fried chicken. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and then obviously it's like telling, and then all over the walls it's telling them like the reality of the cat, the chicken industry, and all that, and how like it's just pretty much all fabrication because. The whatever the governing body is that looks after uh, food regulations, mm-hmm. they don't really have any money, so they don't test. So they rely heavily on individual uh, meat producers, not just chickens, but like the whole range, uh, pretty much moderating themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll just come out with like buzzwords, so it'll be like, like free range. Uh, no hormones, even though it's mandatory, it's like law that no hormones ever go into chickens, but they can still have that on the packaging, yeah. because it's technically the truth uh, and it's just like, a whole bunch of other buzzwords It's like that thing when we saw, we watched that film Dark, uh, Dark, Water, Dark Waters yeah. Yeah, 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 if you let an industry regulate itself, it will not do it well No, no but, because it will always bend it to make it work. Totally, now quick question this one, now me and you are pretty educated guys, but we, we know a bit about the world. Everything, nice. you've, everything you've told me about this documentary so far, I'm actually thinking, is this documentary out 
about a decade too late. And that do we does, did you learn anything new from it? Because I, I seem to like I, I, I'm sort of thinking I kind of know all this. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna come away with anything like new. Right. I I don't know what's happened in Morgan's life as to why he's taken uh, two thousand four. Uh, like, the, let's be honest. The better part of let's say nine. Uh, sorry, fifteen years to get this out. Because yeah. I think his old documentary, 16 years. his old documentary uh, did not do very well. That's why he done like two other ones that did not do well. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that so, so he's, he's gone uh, back to the well. Super Size Me, so please call Super Size Me too. Instant brand recognition. It's it's got a wee kick at that point. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking that might be why. But that's me being cynical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think you're going to come away going, oh well, that's absolutely up. A revelation to me. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like everyone knows that the chicken industry uses a particular type of chicken yeah. that they absolutely feed until it's absolutely stuffed. Some of them die of heart attacks just because, like, the like bodies just pretty much collapse on yep. themselves because they pretty much almost eat themselves to death with barely any exercise. Um, so. You're not coming away going, oh wow, I never knew that about the industry. The kind of eye-opening bit for myself was just the way how these like kind of farmers that he interviewed, um, how they're treated by like the bigger chicken organisation. Right, okay. That's, that's like a bit of an eye-opening moment. Um, and it was kind of interesting to see how the customers reacted to all this like, writing on the walls you know, with, like, the kind of corporate buzzwords and all that, and, like, and then, like, underneath explaining that it means just absolute fucking nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were still happily sitting there eating into their chicken sandwich. I mean, dude, I like um, chicken, so I'll, I'll eat chicken regardless. You know, I love chicken. Yeah, yeah. I would certainly give it a watch. You know, yeah, it's yeah. only 90, just over 90 minutes long, right. and it moves at a decent pace. It doesn't hang around too long. Um, I'd certainly give it a watch. It's on, uh, Amazon Prime, it's on yeah. Amazon. So, you know, 90 minutes, I find it's, you know, it's well, it's, it's well spent, you know. Cool. I will maybe look it out in the next couple of, in the next couple of, I have nothing but time right now anyway, dude, so I mean, oh, I might not, I might. Uh, don't get me wrong, if there's like something you're choking to watch, by all means, like, watch that. This is more of a, if you're kind of stuck and you remember about it, stick it on. Nice you one. Be, you won't feel like you've wasted 90 minutes, nice you one. know. I'll, I'll, look, I'll keep it. In, I'll keep it in mind. I'll add to my list. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna give it a. So, I'm gonna give it a solid seven out of ten seven because ten. it's not breaking new ground. It's maybe a bit late to the party now, in terms of like even even over here in the UK, the whole at least I think the whole like at Nando's bubble has burst. Like no one ever really talks about going to Nando's. They're um, always they're always busy though. Dude, it's the one restaurant we were in Silverburn that was always always absolutely rammed. Yeah, and they're probably they're probably pretty much the exact same in terms of the, like the way they're oh hundred percent yeah you know um at times I mean that's probably fair because that's we gave ZZ Top one roughly the same and we said that was the same you don't really learn that much but yeah you know it's 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 still for what it is it's it's interesting and intriguing um so yeah it's, look out for Amazon Amazon is there for people to use at this time you know this, this quarantine time so it's definitely there um next week. 
there's not again not anything out because there's nothing in the cinema. So I've, I've picked a few for us to watch. So I'm going to task you with watching a few of these. <laughs> so we've got on Sky Comedy. There's a series called Miracle Workers, starring Daniel Radcliffe uh, and Steve Buscemi. It's only ten, uh, only ten episodes, twenty minutes each. Should be doable for the two of us to get through that. Yeah. Um, we've got For Sama, a documentary that was um, up for best Oscar, best documentary Oscar um, in twenty twenty. Uh, and we're going to watch. I think you've already seen that, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I, sorry, I'm googling it as you're talking to me. Yeah. Yes, I have seen that. You've seen yeah. that, so you don't have to. I, I can watch that one. Uh, I'm not even watch that again. To yeah. There's a uh, Netflix documentary called The Pharmacist. It's only four episodes. That's one we can yeah, yeah. watch as well. And also a Netflix film called Extraordinary, which has got Will Forty in it. So that looks quite interesting as well. So um, those are the four we're going to try and review next week. Hopefully we can get through, the two of us can get through all four of them so we can discuss at length. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much us for this week. Barry, where people, where people find us? All the usual social media haunts, because let's be honest, that's what everyone's doing now. But they're <laughs> not sitting on Netflix, they're sitting on Facebook talking about how the world is ending. Then yep. every now and again, once a week, we all go outside our front door and start clapping for some reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, the clapping thing is odd, I do admit. We all know why we're clapping, yeah. we don't need to go on about it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, all the social media haunts Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, at three beers in a movie. Nice one. Um, and that is us for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.